0: When I say green building, what do you think of? You might think of solar panels, rainwater capture, or sustainable materials. Often, these kinds of environmental features of buildings can be seen as expensive or non-essential qualities for buildings, and in particular, affordable housing solutions. Yet, there are endless reasons why we should provide affordable housing that integrates environmental performance. Sustainable buildings are better for people, the planet, and usually the pocketbook too. Through our CMHC-funded Better Housing Lab, we're exploring how we can integrate environmental performance into the economic model of affordable housing projects. One of our collaborators in the lab is Matt Grace. He's a green building engineer and a total expert on this topic. Last summer, I sat down with Matt to talk about what it means to make buildings greener. And today, we're going to rerun that chat that I had with him back in 2019 in the before times when we could actually sit in a room together. Let's dive in
1: quite often you see someone saying well you know i can't i can't do green it's too expensive doesn't make any sense to me there's some element of green building that resonates with every single person and every single project i'm john lewis
0: and you're listening to 360 Degrees city a podcast where we talk to people who are working to make cities better our hope is that after each episode you'll start to see your own city from a slightly different angle 360 Degree City is brought to you by the team at Intelligent Futures. We are a team of versatile urban problem solvers and our aim is to figure out better ways of living together. According to the Canada Green Building Council, buildings generate up to 35% of all greenhouse gases, 35% of landfill waste comes from construction and demolition activities, and up to 70% of municipal water is consumed in and around buildings. With stats like that, it's pretty clear that making buildings greener is key to reducing the environmental impact of our cities. But what do we mean when we talk about making buildings greener? It sounds pretty straightforward, but there's no shortage of systems and terms to navigate. Passive houses, net zero homes, LEED certified buildings, life cycle assessments, energy efficiency, water conservation. And although the technical elements of going green are incredibly important. Our guest today suggests that the definition of a green building is
1: personal and individualized. I'm Matt Grace, I'm the managing principal of Integral Group here in Calgary, and I'm a green building engineer. And we really help people realize their vision of whatever a green building is.
0: What's your definition of a green building?
1: I mean that again. That's really kept me in a job for twenty-five years. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm still not sure I know the answer. I mean, what's really interesting is I mean you're obviously familiar with the Bruntland definition, and that that goes way back to the heart of of, uh, of sustainability. And you, I think
0: can you can you share that with the the well, folks that are listening? The Brent, it, it's it's the idea that
1: we have a quality of life now, and we're not compromising the quality of life for future generations. Is to paraphrase it. Mm. So it's it's still relatively new which is why we struggle with the idea of what is green and what is sustainable and hidden down in the depths of the definition of the brundtland definition is this idea that it's locally defined and there was a, a an, an initiative a few years back you know a couple of decades ago about you know the local agenda 21 and mm-hmm. locally defining that and really that's at the heart of the matter if you're talking to affluent families in downtown Calgary about what do they mean by a a green building or a green city or a green urban environment. We're probably talking about things that might seem like a luxury to a lot of people in the world. We're talking about transit and clean power and engagement, which is close to your subject area. And, and lack of graffiti and no litter if you go and you talk to someone who's just been flooded Mm -hmm. they probably just want to not be flooded if you talk to someone who doesn't have clean drinking water or who doesn't have electricity they'll probably take any form of electricity so we've got this huge disparity Mm -hmm. um, and you've got to really define what you mean by a green building or a green Urban environment or a green community, sustainable—all these words, are, I think, are interchangeable. You have to de- define that for each project and each point in time, mm-hmm. and in each it all,
0: context. Each context that it all sits in, yeah, yeah.
1: But it also needs to be something that excites the people that are doing this. So quite often, you see someone saying, "Well, you know, I can't, I can't do green. It's too expensive. It doesn't make any sense to me." There's some element of green building that resonates with every single person and every single project.
0: Hmm. And so, so what I'm hearing from you is that there's a, you're not a purist, I guess. Like this that. is a specific definition, and unless it meets this, it fails. You're talking about a lot of different factors that contribute to it,
1: right? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know what's important to you mm-hmm. in terms of green buildings. Uh, because I don't know what your value base is, I don't know what your budget is, I don't know what your your history with different elements are so so for me, I recently moved house and i'm I'm in Hillhurst now mm-hmm. We're um, neighbors we're neighbors yeah <laughs> and i'm I was going to put solar panels on my house, and one of the reasons I wanted to move house is because I couldn't fit solar panels on my old house, so that was happening no matter what mm-hmm. that's that's happening. I also wanted to have more room for the bikes so I could have different options for cycling. That's really important to me. Um, someone else might really prioritize, uh, health or they might really priorit- prioritize the ability to grow their own food. Mm. And they might say, well, you know, energy is important, but the number one thing for me is I want to have a local source production. So I need a really big plot of land mm. where I can grow right. my own vegetables and have chickens and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So, so, I, I don't think there can be one definition. Yep. I think it's really important to identify that. Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to end up spinning our wheels a lot. And yeah, yeah. Going right. down paths that don't actually make any sense to the people we're working with.
0: Yep, for sure. And so that, that's that's really helpful because I think oftentimes when people talk about green buildings, they just talk about the technical performance of a building envelope, if you will, right? Absolutely. So what you just described is very, yeah. very. Very different, not very different. It would include that, yeah. but there's a much broader consideration for the people in it and how they want to live their lives.
1: Absolutely. Huh, okay. I mean, one of my favorite analogies to the, the the green building certification schemes. There are lots out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's LEED and there's Built Green and there's the Living Building Challenge. Talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. in in a moment, maybe. And one of my one of my analogies that I quite like is. Um, if you go to university or you go to college and you spend three years studying something that you're not really interested in, it doesn't seem like good use of your time. <laughs> so if you decide you're gonna build a community or you're gonna build a new new project, new building, and you decide to certify it against a rating system that doesn't provide any value to you, that doesn't resonate with your values, mm. it's probably gonna feel a bit hollow.
0: Mm.
1: Right. Right. So, you know, if you're not interested in in ancient history, Don't go and spend three years studying ancient history. Find the thing that gets you excited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, we really saw that um, with the, the Calgary Zoo project. The Calgary Zoo had an exhibit space modified
0: to welcome the giant pandas for spring of 2018. Matt and his team built the exhibit to accommodate the panda's specific needs while ensuring it was able to transition
1: to the next species home in a few years. Which got officially living building challenge petal certification. And that was a really exciting journey because it was for the for the panda passage for the giant pandas. Yeah. It's a cool project because it's we did the first in Alberta to achieve that designation. Mm-hmm. And it's pandas. So it's good. <laughs> and I gotta to go to the zoo for my work.
0: daughter is excited about that. Oh, so it's so great. Nice. Thank you on her behalf. <laughs>
1: oh, no problem. And the pandas <laughs> love it. And and we looked at different options and it was we started looking at it early and we found the living building challenge really did resonate with mm-hmm. the zoo because it's all about um, regeneration and not, it's not about eliminating some of the toxic ma- materials. It's about eliminating all of the toxic materials. Mm-hmm. And it really, it was, it really got the the whole team excited. And once that commitment was made, it really helped the project achieve something that they're very proud of. And it made okay. the space better. Yeah. So it was a bit more work, but but it felt there. less like work because people yeah. were committed to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And everybody
1: cool. got on board with it.
0: Yeah. So if we take a step back or a hundred steps back, um, why, why are green buildings important to the world today?
1: Well, that is, that is a very good question, John. Um, <laughs> how long do we have? So there's, there's kind of technical reasons and there's very personal reasons as well. When you look at everything from the IPCC...
0: IPCC stands for the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. The IPCC is the United Nations body for assessing the science related to climate change and was created to provide policymakers with consistent scientific assessments on the issue.
1: Or from the uh, McKinley study that looked at how we can start to reduce our carbon emissions, the built environment sector is consistently up there as the biggest contribution of greenhouse gas emissions. Studies vary, and by country by country it varies. It's usually in, the, in the, around about half. I and mean, mm-hmm. I've seen mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. saying as low as 35, some saying as low as over 60. But the built environment is such a big part of, of our environmental footprint that we, we have to tackle that. Mm-hmm. So from a, from a health point of view as well, most of us spend about 90% of our time inside. So if we're putting something just slightly toxic inside or if the, the air quality is not quite right or if there's some contaminant entering our drinking water, for example, or our seating arrangement is causing us just that little bit of eye strain, if you go and you spend eight hours sitting at your desk yeah. and it's just something not quite right there and you multiply that by how many hours most Build, people that work, that up
0: over time pretty quickly.
1: You're yeah. not going to feel good. Yeah, yeah. The other side of things is that We're really bad at building things, (laughs) which should be easy. And there's, there's two sides to that. One is, one is, um, we tend to just do what we did the last time. And when we start to design a, a a building or a new community, we tend to pull out as an, as an industry, we tend to pull out the last set of plans that we had and say, well, what can we improve? And we very rarely say, well, let's have a high performance building. Let's have a healthy building. Let's have a building that starts to contribute mm-hmm. to healing the planet. We're very reluctant to do that because it's scary. Mm. And then once the once the buildings are finished and turned over, we're actually terrible at maintaining them. And I think everybody realizes, everybody's under the impression that buildings are simple, but they're not. They're dynamic structures that have moving parts, that have interactions with the people inside them have interactions with the weather have interactions with the climate and unless you felt competent you probably wouldn't lift the hood of your car and start tinkering with the controls and unplugging the engine management system and saying sure i'll reset this i'll i'll re i'll con- i think i'll connect that pipe over there instead when as you go in any building that's been up for more than a year you're going to start to find some examples of jerry rigging. Mm. Mm. You know, doors propped open when they shouldn't be, ceiling tiles popped open, controls misset, wires just pulled out, broom handles in the HVAC, ductwork, all sorts of stuff. And we all think we know better than the original designers of the building. So there's 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 really two sides of it. I mean, the rate of renewal of our built environment is, is minimal. You know, it's a couple of percent a year. So we're not going to get to like a greener building stock by just tackling the new buildings. Right. We have to do that. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably easier, mm-hmm. but the impact we can have on the on the existing buildings, and the impact they do have on our on our health, because nobody's really checking that. That that's huge, mm-hmm. and that's not really being tackled in any meaningful way. Yeah, for it.
0: sure, and it's and it's relatively easy to if you're starting from zero to plan for it and build more efficiencies in this yeah. uh, building and things. But it's I think I can't remember where I saw it, but it's something like you know if you project out thirty years all. Of the buildings that will exist in thirty years, eighty or ninety percent of them exist today.
1: Absolutely. And
0: Just to your point of, yeah. of the regeneration just yeah. isn't happening. So yeah. So
1: so that you know, the big untapped potential for making our built environment better, it's not the likes of me, it's not the likes of you, John. It's actually the plumber you call up. Yeah. And it's the the, the drywall guy you've called mm-hmm. up and it's the electrician you call up. You say, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just need to have a light fixture replaced or a installed. It's mm-hmm. those people that come in and say, well, hang on a minute. Um, is there something else that we can do to make your, your building better? Right. Cause we're doing all these we're renovations anyways. and these yeah, yeah. upgrades yeah. and it's that, that intervention, that's, that's one of the big untapped opportunities that mm. I see.
0: And when you were talking about the, the need to, uh, you know, the, the ambition of healing the planet through mm. buildings. So that's uh, a massive scale. That's a long-term thing. And then you've got the technical side of it. Yeah. And then you've got the human side of it of how, like you said, like how you want to live your life.
1: Yeah.
0: In your conversations, how do you, how do those conversations go? I'm sure they're varied, but navigating in uh-huh. between those scales and times uh-huh. and priorities. How, how can you give us some examples or stories about how those, how that goes for you as someone that's trying to navigate both spaces of the micro, you know, like this yeah. building system to let's heal the planet?
1: Well, we're, we're in a huge state of flux i think with the whole awareness of what's happening Mm -hmm. and so i i feel like i've been gently poking people for the last couple of decades and saying okay can Mm -hmm. we can we do a little bit better here and trying to not upset people too much Mm -hmm. but now we've got things like the the students striking on fridays Mm -hmm. and we've got the the ferrari over the green new deal and we've got the president to the south of us saying that wind turbines cause cause cancer. And, um, you know, every day in the news, there's something that you could you could lose sleep over. And mm-hmm. um, so you've got that huge scale where it's almost like, well, whatever we do is is almost, you know, doesn't make any difference. And then you come down to the micro scale and you've got an individual project or you've got someone putting their own money on the line and they, they need to make mm-hmm. a financial case for it. So... There, you, you're, you're really fighting against this perception that going green may cost more money, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always have to. Because the thing that you don't put in the building has a zero environmental footprint, mm. and it costs you less. Yeah, right. right. So if we, what would be
0: an example of that for folks? Well, the, that the, the,
1: the, the classic example is 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 lighting, mm-hmm. where we tend to just put too many lights in. Mm. The classic example is, like I said, we do what we did last time. Yeah um when we're trying to when we 're trying to lease buildings we there's a tendency to fit them up as well, and then that may just be ripped out and i've right. i've seen that with my own eyes yeah i've seen that with my own eyes a perfectly good good flooring put in just to make the space look a little bit nicer for the next tenant so a lot of it is is about perception um we, t- we tend to just over engineer things so if if you're talking about uh, let's just let's just get technical for a second i guess don't want't don't want to get too deep but what we what we tend to do when we're trying to get a really high performance building is we take the last one we did and we start to modify it okay yeah so we're trying to we're, we're taking your your mum van and we're trying to turn it into a formula one car, <laughs> and you probably won't get there so so what we tend to do is we'll say well let 's look at the cost of adding some insulation and upgrading the windows and upgrading the the insulation in the roof, and then we're never taking anything away. So we're never saying, all right, Right. well, if I get, whereas the conversation needs to be, what performance level do I need to get to with my walls and my windows and my roof Mm -hmm. so that I can have the smallest possible heating system? Mm. And what do I need to do with the design and the orientation and the shading of the building so that I can minimize the cooling system? Right. What do I need to do so that I can turn off the bits that are not used? And what do I need need to do to simplify Mm -hmm. it?
0: That, uh, that flags for me, like what you're pushing for is simplicity and the things you don't need shouldn't be there. Yeah. And, uh, I read a thing recently that talked about, you know, there's the idea of conspicuous, conspicuous consumption. Mm -hmm. So I'm buying things to look, you know, to show off to the world. And there's this idea of conspicuous conservation, Mm. whereas, I might approach you as a as an expert and say, "What what's what's the most impactful things I can do?" And you tell me, right. "Triple glaze the windows, not double glaze, and put more insulation." And I say, "Add ah, a hell with that. I want a solar panel so I can right. show my neighbors how green I am." Eco bling, eco bling. Ah, nice. I like that. <laughs> have, you, have you have you, have you uh, encountered that? Oh, uh,
1: totally. A bit? Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah. That's, but that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. If you sit down with a with a with a client and you say, "What's your objective here?" I want the greenest looking building possible mm-hmm. then we're go- probably going to put solar panels on it and then you know we can work with them to say well if you if you spend this amount on the on pv solar if you spend this amount on uh, you know this is what you'll get this is the contribution to your energy bills and to reducing your ghg emissions insulation you won't see but yep. this is and we you can do that mm-hmm. i mean all the energy modeling tools are there and mm-hmm. we use them all the time so but to me that's this whole thing of like if you can find out what makes someone tingle mm-hmm. about going green, what gets them excited? Mm-hmm. Um, my, one of my favorite stories from way back. So I've, I've been in Calgary. Cal, Calgary's my home now for the last 12 years. And I'm a very proud Canadian and very proud and happy not to be in England at the moment with the <laughs> politics, but very proud of my heritage. Yeah. And I, I had the dubious honor of getting a big contract for the armed forces. And they were building new single living accommodation for the active members of the, of the armed forces because the, what they were coming back to after being on duty was mm. seen as substandard. And they, they wanted to have all these places greened up. So I ended up going around quite a bunch of different you know armed armed forces, Army, for, army Navy, and, and the Air Force. One of the first ones was at the base of the SAS, Mm. Which is if if that, if that doesn't translate from the UK, it's kind of like the Navy SEALs and mm-hmm. the Commandos combined. <laughs> and I was there with the big wigs from the Army and the Air Force and the Navy and the contractors and the architects and the guy who's running the site, who's an ex mm. uh, SAS guy who served a lot of duty, got injured. This was his retirement job. And I'm, I'm the granola around the table, right? <laughs> you know, I'm getting all the jokes. Yeah, we, we got some lentils in for you for lunch, and you can't wear sandals when you're on site, and all of this kind of, I'm I'm the butt of all the jokes. As soon as we got on site, this hardcore ex-SAS guy, when he saw we were alone, he said, hey, Matt, I planted all these bushes down here. Mm. And I saw these different birds came here. Is that good? Will I, get, will, I get, will I get recognition for that? Is that a good thing? And then I'm going to plant all these other birds. turns out he was a raving ecologist and knew every type of bird species yeah. on the site and monitored them every day. But he did not want to say this in front of his friends. Right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I've got a friend here now. Yeah, yeah. So we kind of built on that and, and I had a contact. And that was <laughs> the thing that got him excited. He didn't yeah. really care about energy efficiency or environmentally friendly materials or mm-hmm. ratings, but he wanted plants on this. Mm. So, you know, there's, there's my in. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, we're going to put these species of plants. We'll do, do the ecological side. We'll do green landscaping. It all went in. Wow. And just had to be patient. And yeah, so everybody's got their in. Yeah. Um, so you have and to be
0: flexible and, and be listening at all times.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a, a place if you're trying to be a professional green building engineer, I don't think there's a place, or it's particularly helpful to stand up and rant off your pedestal. Yeah, yeah. We need people to do that. Yeah, um, we need the Greta Thunberg. The, we need the, We need the the school children, bunking off school and protesting. We need the congresswoman down in the states who's making these fantastic presentations about the Green New Deal. We we need those people. Mm-hmm. But then you also need the likes of us to come in and look like we're one of them and present viable yeah, 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 solutions sure. and yeah. say this is how we can do this and this is how yeah. you can get some benefit from it mm-hmm. and this is how we can make it work for for your application and it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. So I'm I'm not really too fast to what someone's motivation is to go green as long as there's some motivation. Yeah. And then we and then we can work with that. So yeah. So if you if you put yourself in an adversarial position and you say, well, unless you're going to be the greenest of green, it doesn't make any difference. And yeah, yeah. You, you're going to end up putting lots some people. Yeah. So that, that was kind of my, my personal decision was to try and help move any type of building or any type of project or any type of built environment as green as they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And obviously mm-hmm. push them as far as I think I could, yep. but take the approach of getting on the inside rather than screaming from the mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that often in terms of that there's a spectrum of action. Yeah, and uh, the most helpful thing it probably is to know and be comfortable with where you are on that. Yeah, and to not discount the the, the folks that are evangelical about it. Yeah, and the and the folks that are just doing things, uh, you know, on the side in the shadows, like your your friend at the at the forces base. That's
1: fine as well. You know,
0: like it all. It requires all of it. Might just the, the, the challenge. The
1: challenge I really do have is that I think we are basically, but bi- by and large, behaving quite stupidly yeah yeah and we we can change though what's interesting for me is that you you wouldn't dream of being silent if you saw a friend smoking with their children in the back of the car you wouldn't dream of not speaking up if you saw a friend driving without a seatbelt yeah but we still will be silent if we see someone idling their car at the side of the road when Mm -hmm. they're not going anywhere yeah we'll still be silent if we know a friend or a neighbor is driving three blocks of the shops when they yeah. don't need to. Yeah. So it's almost like we need to elevate that conversation that we have successfully applied to things, things like, you know, littering and smoking yeah, yeah, in front sure. of children. For sure. And we need to apply that to kind of a wider yeah. impact of yeah. you know, why, why are you, why are you behaving in a way that is, that is negatively impacting Mm-hmm. The, the planet yeah. so it's almost like we need to elevate that consciousness yeah, where it's sure. okay so one of one of the games i do like to play is if i'm not in a hurry and i see someone drop litter in front of me i'll pick it up and i tap them on the shoulder and i say excuse me you've dropped something i didn't know if it was important <laughs> and it's, it's fantastic you know I, I only do it if i'm in the right mood but it, it's very entertaining and i'd encourage you that you try it smokers are the worst yeah, yeah. like oh there's a garbage can over there. would you like me to put it? The look on their face is terrible yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 hilarious <laughs> uh, and I, you know, I do it with a smile and having having the the plumbing English accent probably helps I, uh so so we almost need to get to that mindset where we're saying, oh you know it's okay to walk up mm-hmm. to someone and say, Do you mind not idling your car outside my house? do you mind yeah, yeah. what's going on here
0: yeah it's it's this combination of um Actual facts and knowledge. So people are aware of it because sometimes that's not the case. And then storytelling and impact and then behavior change. And there's all kinds of things. When we were, we were working on the environmental master plan in Banff, we were Mm. talking about idling and that's in the plan eventually. Um, and folks that we talked to, they're like, well, in the middle of the winter when it's minus 30 degrees Celsius, I need to warm up my car. And then sort of like, well, there's actually all kinds of studies that show 30 seconds is all the modern engine exactly. needs. You're actually doing damage if you yeah. leave it there for 15 minutes. Yeah. What you're doing is making yourself more comfortable right. inside, but the the engine doesn't need it. And so don't... And yeah. oh, like people legitimately we talked to didn't know that. yeah, And so it's like, oh, okay, now I know. Thank you. And so you try and get those but, things called And, that, and that's very
1: there. relevant. So if, yeah. if someone... Suffers extreme pain in the cold, yep. then maybe that's okay, yeah, and that's that what you've encapsulated there, John is already one of the nice challenges when mm. you come to come to the whole world of green buildings mm-hmm. if you're going to have a green building a sustainable building you 're trying to balance consumption against what the building's trying to do, so you, if if someone needs a particular amount of light because they're Maybe they're a bit older, maybe yeah. they're doing detailed work. Yeah. You could save energy, you could turn the lights off, but if they can't function, yeah, right. then it's not a, a green building. I, I worked with a brilliant guy when I was at the building research establishment and he talked a lot about fitness for purpose.
0: Fitness for purpose. Fitness for
1: purpose. Yeah. And that's absolutely huge yeah. in, the ho- in everything to do with sustainability. Mm-hmm. If something's not doing the job it's intended to, it's not fit for purpose, right? And it's not going to be sustainable. Mm. Mm. So, if we, our guilty secret is, uh, I bought John a coffee and I forgot my travel mug, so we're both using disposable mugs here. Mm-hmm. If we found a way of making this mug, this travel mug, out of some super green, locally made, compostable rice paper, and the coffee's dribbling, and maybe that's possible, and the coffee's dribbling down my arm. Mm-hmm, it's not fit mm-hmm. for purpose, it's not doing the job. That, that cannot be sustainable. Yep. And it's okay to experiment. When I was doing uh, an office renovation for, for myself, I researched, there was a, there was a milk-based paint product. Mm. I was like, well, I gotta try this, because the, the environmental footprint was, was really low. It was rubbish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible, yeah. and we had to scrape it off and start again. Um, and I was fine to test it out because sure. you know it was it was it was out of my budget, and that was fine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But that's another thing that we need to to look at is is we can put in products, but they have to be doing the intended job, and that's something yeah. you need to bear in mind. So you know, if if someone's driving a larger vehicle, maybe they need that larger vehicle for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So so go, I, in my in my opinion, you know, going green is not about taken away it's about finding the the optimum way of achieving what you need to do
0: mm. in your opinion is there a particular city country jurisdiction that's really doing uh, the best or that's exemplary in green buildings encouraging executing thinking
1: about them I mean the two cities I've lived in most are London and England and Calgary mm-hmm. uh, and the idea the every every city is a is a living and dynamic organism by by nature it has to be yep. and we kind of touched on the the individual choices i mean calgary is actually has been a real leader in green buildings it was i think the first in north america to have a a formal green building certification process hmm. um we, we we buy all our green power for the for the transit from the from comes from all the, the, the wind turbines down in pincher creek mm-hmm. um but I would kind of almost come back to that earlier conversation. So uh, I think it's a, a more micro scale on what makes a, a city kind of green and and, liv- and livable. Yep. It depends on your individual choices. And what ha- what's happening in the wider city is important and it does get you excited. But it's those individual... It's your daily boring routines that makes <laughs> a city green or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. So you can live in in a really big urban sprawl but if you if your daily routine is walking to the ice cream shop every day and walking to the park with your with your kids and you can do that then you can live a very green lifestyle mm-hmm. so i th- i think i think we tend to look at it on too big a scale when we're saying what well, is a city mm. green is it livable is it sustainable okay i think it comes down to what can that individual do and how can you do your boring mundane stuff mm. on a day-to-day basis okay and that's where it comes down to the individual lifestyles. So, if you're living right in the middle of a of a city with lots of green buildings, but you're riding three hours on a transit every day, which happens. Mm-hmm. So, I, I was just down a couple of weeks ago at, uh, at the, a conference at Berkeley. I always say that wrong. I always try to say Berkeley? that in a very yeah. English accent. Berkeley, I have to say it right. <laughs> on the centre of the built environment, and they've got they they've got huge environmental achievements as a city mm-hmm. they've got very stringent goals they've got real uh, advanced approach to to greening up buildings you talk to a lot of the people kind of in the in the 20s in that that generation they're all coming out from miles away because they can't afford to live in the downtown okay yeah yeah so sure they're working in the downtown but then they have to live out in the burbs or and people are driving and driving mm-hmm. and driving mm-hmm. down eight lane highways because they can't afford to live where they work so that's on the face of it a very sustainable city, but for the individuals, I'm wondering what their lives are like.
0: Yeah, and just right. being a visitor there. Yeah,
1: right. So, so, so for me, it's about what that individual person or the, what that family, what that that you know block level community is experiencing. Yeah. Can you position yourself where you can execute most of your tasks without unnecessary consumption? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's a great non-answer. It, great non-answer. <laughs>
0: Sure, I specialize in. Those. I'm just messing with you. That's all right. No, I, I, th- I think it, it's, it's, um, yeah, I appreciate the, the, because oftentimes when folks are specialists, and maybe it's the fact that you're a specialist generalist, I as am you describe, I'm a specialist generalist. Um, the fact that context gets ignored,
1: context gets ignored
0: when you're the more you specialize. So that's. A refreshing approach that you understand the context that it, these buildings that you work on
1: I mean, the whole, exist in. What we didn't talk about is the whole idea of net zero buildings. Yeah. We haven't even touched on that, which we should have done. So we, we have to work this in. So the way the whole industry is, is going and it has to go is towards net zero buildings. Explain e- what that is. Even that has different definitions. Yeah. There's there's an official certification from the Green Building Council of Canada, which which has a very precise definition of a of a net zero energy building net zero carbon building the the broadest definition is a building that generates as much energy as it consumes over a year what's interesting if you go down south of the border and you say net zero they usually interpret that as meaning net zero energy net zero water and net zero waste oh all three so again it's local mm-hmm. context so we can there, there are no technological barriers to having a building that is net zero energy. Hmm. So we can have buildings that don't consume any energy. The context is if I take that building and I put it in the middle of nowhere, I'm having people travel by a yeah, single right. occupancy vehicle right. or it doesn't get used, <laughs> it doesn't get occupied, mm-hmm. then it, it comes back to this idea of fit for purpose. Yeah. It's not fit for purpose. So that's why it's so contextual for me. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of very good buildings, but they're they're not set in that urban context yeah right so they're not adding to the urban fabric they're not adding to the concept yeah. of a living city
0: yeah yeah for sure
1: yeah and i think that's
0: that's a that's the perfect example right you could have a lead platinum or you could have a yeah. net zero and if it's in the middle of a place that doesn't have transit and it's only yeah. no no other uses around it say it's an office building yeah nothing and you have, everyone drives to and from and yeah yeah yeah, and it well, kind of defeats the global purpose.
1: I mean, Leed, LEED has actually addressed that very nicely. And and everybody loves to hate LEED, but it has changed the construction industry for the better. Mm. Things that are now standard practice in terms of green performance that weren't 10 years ago yeah. have changed because of LEED. But, but there is actually quite a strong emphasis on, on the location side of right. LEED. So right. to achieve LEED, Leed gold, on a on an industrial park is a really tough achievement to achieve lead goal on a gold on a downtown recreational facility. It's not quite so mm-hmm. challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually does quite a good job of recognizing that. Yeah. The importance of the location and the density okay. of the urban yep. fabric. Uh,
0: okay. So I'll ask you one final question that we ask everybody. Okay. Uh, can you tell me a city that you love
1: and why you love it? Oh, I love Calgary. Why do you love it? I love Calgary because it's, it can be whatever you want in Calgary. <laughs> you, you can make what you want of it. So for me, I live and work downtown. I bike to almost all my meetings. It's clean. It's got fantastic parks. Uh, it's generally clean and tidy. And it's a, it's the plate. It's 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 a it's a slight irony doing what I do in you know a hub of oil and gas, mm-hmm. um, but you can actually live a really really green lifestyle if you want to in Calgary, and if you want your if if, if you want your six thousand square foot McMansion with the triple <laughs> garage, you can have that as well. <laughs> There's space for everybody, and when you want to get out of the city, it's so accessible to the mountains. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really happy to be a Calgarian. And I, I love the space. I love what we have. I love the can-do attitude. Great. And I wouldn't want to be anywhere else.
0: I really appreciate Matt's optimism about the importance of individual action when becoming more sustainable. There's no question that systems change is necessary, but our individual choices about where we live, how we get to work, What we eat and what we buy are key to help us reduce our individual impact and push for those shifts in our city systems. 360 Degree City is created by our team at Intelligent Futures. To learn more about the work we do, go to intelligentfutures.ca. To learn more about the Better Housing Lab, check out our show notes or head to betterhousinglab.com. I'm John Lewis. Thanks for stopping by.